Second Peter chapter 2, verses 12 through 22, Fruit Inspectors, this is part 5, and our title today is False Teachers Doom, part 2. I'm going to read these passages, and I'll come back and make comment on them. But, but these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Their spots and blemishes and carousing in their own deception while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, and loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is received the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. And while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, at, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world, through the knowledge of the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse than from the beginning. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than have known it and to turn away from the holy commandments delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So we have here in chapter 2 the Apostle Peter's warning about false teachers. And Peter's language that he uses is very strong about these false teachers. And even some scholars have said it's the harshest language in all of the New Testament. I imagine the encouragement to us in these passages is to it is serious business that we never ever want to get duped into something that is not the truth about God, our salvation and eternal life. It's one thing that a person would be incompetent as an electrician or a contractor or even a financial advisor. If people are incompetent in those areas, it will cost us a lot of money and at the same time make us really mad and angry and frustrated. Yet their incompetence is only temporal. We learn a lesson and next time hopefully we're wiser. But when you have a false teacher or false teachings, they're the most dangerous person alive because their error can affect a person's understanding of God in this life, and even more importantly, they potentially could affect a person's whole eternity and eternal destination. But understand the false teachers Peter was warning us about are those who were teaching heresy. We're not talking about doctrines that good, sincere Christians have differing opinions or views on. They are not essentials of the Christian faith. Peter's addressing errors that are so serious that if they were adopted by Christians, then Christianity would no longer be Christianity. And what Peter is showing us in these passages today, that there is a lot more wrong with false teachers than just their teachings, that these people have something very, very wrong on the inside. And we tend to think when we hear a false teacher or a heretic, we think that the sole wrong of their life is their false teaching. But besides that, they really have a good heart. It's just the teaching is false. We must understand that teaching false doctrine is only the tip of the iceberg. Peter begins to speak out about the motives of the heart, the depravity of their mind, and the debased character that is what's behind the false teaching. And the take-home point for all of this in these passages would inoculate us from ever falling prey to false teaching or false teachers for the rest of our lives. But back up in verse 10, it talks about they walked according to the 
according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, which means sexual immorality. And of course, the apostles and all other teachers in that day talked and taught the importance of sexual purity and holiness in order to live a life that was obedient to God's word. But these teachers didn't teach or believe in purity or holiness towards God. They basically uh, taught anything goes. It is not God who has given, isn't it not God who's given us these sexual urges? So just go with it. You know, so what is, the world is wrong with what God has given us as a desire. They ignore the fact that our appetites are not originally how God created it. God created us with the appetite to eat. Do you think our eating habits today was the way he created us to eat? There is this thing called the fall in the Garden of Eden. And so to say that every urge that we have is from God and a part of his creation is to be completely ignoring the fall of man. Our appetites are not sanctified the way they were in the garden. Our appetites have been tainted and marred by the fall and by sin. It also says in verse 10 that they also despised authority. The only authority they re recognize is their own authority. When a person despises the authority of God, then they are their own authority to themselves. You can't tell them anything. You can't reason with them that they should consider listening to God. They're just plain rebellious and prideful. You know, I think of Paul, the great apostle, how he put himself under the authority of the church there in Jerusalem. Paul never said, I'm going to go out and do my own thing for God. And yes, though Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off his horse as he's going to Damascus and spoke his commission to him and what he's going to do for him and for heaven, yet Paul didn't go out unless he was sent out. Man would ratify that call on his life. It was the leadership of the church in Antioch that sent Paul and Barnabas out on their missionary journeys. It wasn't Paul's authority. He was under authority. And he and Barnabas were accountable to the church. Paul was under God's authority as an apostle, as a call on his life from God, no doubt. But he was not outside of God's established, appointed, anointed church authority. And it says in verse 12 that they speak evil of things they do not understand. Nowhere is that more true when they criticize the Bible and the clear teachings of the word of God. One of the reasons is that they have not been born of God and the wonderful life that Christ gives us. Can you imagine teaching the Bible without being born of God? What are you going to say with any kind of conviction? What are you going to say with any kind of depth of experience? And of course, you're not going to teach on sexual purity because you know nothing about it. Unfortunately, there are ministers who stand up at the pulpit on Sundays and they are not born of God. Even some mainline denominations are full of them. They have no conviction. They have no experience in life of the Bible. They teach sin is okay when the Bible says it's not. And you probably notice that some of these mainline denominations doctrine has changed and it's in directly in support of certain sins. There's a difference in having the Holy Spirit in you and not. There's a difference in the natural man and the spiritual man. The Bible says it in this way, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God or because they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Bible gives us an example in verse 15 of Balaam, who was a man God was wanting to use, but became corrupt and covetous. Balaam is an example of these false teachers. Balaam was one who listened to God, knew God's voice, but he went in the wrong direction. Not a backslider, but one who was gifted of God to preach and started out right by all appearances and then caused many to turn away from the truth. In the midst of that greed, enticed the Israelites to sin. To be, he was a stumbling block, mixing religious things with immoral things, and in his leading led many to destruction. 
one who was once good with God, went or was bad and never came back. Actually, he could never come back. And this all happened because Balaam went bad. And though rebuked by the Lord, he was what he was. As Jesus said, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. You see, Balaam wasn't a guy who just backslid from the Lord. He was one who led others away from the true God into a false system. And also there in verses 18 and 19, not only do we see more revelation of false teachers, but what we have in these passages also is the characteristic of those who will follow false teachers. They are allured through the lust of their flesh, it says, which leads to the personal responsibility they have in following a false teacher. Just as there is something wrong with a false teacher that is deeper than just the teaching of the false doctrine, at the same time, there's something wrong with a person that would consider themselves to be a Christian, yet falls prey to false teachers. So the characteristics that can make a person or a Christian vulnerable to false teaching, well, we can examine ourselves and we can recognize the tendencies that we would have also because of our flesh. We are lured by our flesh. And when we don't have the Spirit of God battling that, then we can find these people just going all the way, especially when a person says, I'm speaking for God and it's okay to be involved in sexual immorality. It's okay to do these kinds of things and because I'm speaking for God. And verse 14 says, these are unstable souls, which means it is someone is not strongly fixed to the firm foundation. They can speak of a person that is a professing Christian who's failed to be grounded deeply in God's word. Thus, they are allured through the lust of their flesh. But today, people are accepting something as true on the basis of how it impacts them or how they feel emotionally when they hear it. Cults are good at this. The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, Scientology, they all tell you why you are not fulfilled and what you are missing and what they have can fulfill that. Then they will give you a snippet of something that tells you that you've never heard before in church or any place else. They're trying to go for that wow moment. They're trying to go for that, uh, that ha-ha moment, like the light you know, just went on. People believe on the basis of what they feel more than what they think. And when Paul began to travel and teach the gospel of grace of Jesus, a group of people called the Bereans there in Acts, they were checking out the scriptures to confirm what Paul was saying was true, the sure word of the prophets. Paul said they were the most noble people of all. They would not allow themselves to be strung along a path of new insight or wowed with signs and wonders. They were smart enough to know if it doesn't line up with the scriptures, we not only throw out what you say, but we throw you out as well. And in verses 20, 21, and 22, it's in reference to these false teachers, and Peter calls them pigs and dogs. Before they were false teachers, they were sinners, just like any one of us before we came to Christ. But they came in the midst of Christianity as wolves with sheep's clothing on. At some point, they heard the truth. They knew it was God's truth, just like Balaam, yet they went with their appetites of the flesh. Then to espouse this line of thinking to others, leading them away from the truth of God. Peter says they knew better, but they did it anyway. Balaam knew better, but he did it anyway. Thus, their latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Why? They knew better. It would have been better for them not to have ever known than to have known the knowledge of truth and purposely turn away and turn others away. They're not backslidden, and they're not prodigals. A backslidden person and a prodigal are people that return to the Lord. They're good fruit, but this kind of person 
and this knowledge of truth will never come back. They might have been in apparent sheepish at one time, but they're dogs and they're pigs, as Peter says. And though you try to clean up a pig, the pig always goes back to wallowing in the mud. And though a dog gets out the poison in his digestive system, he goes right back to digesting it again. They are what they are. They're dogs and pigs. And like Balaam, God wanted to use Balaam, even revealed himself to Balaam. But Balaam was on a whole different track. He didn't just refuse the truth. He led others away from the truth. And even though they look good on the outside and they say Jesus, they are corrupted with greed, lust. They are espousing a doctrine to you that endorses their greed and lust. It's not just them teaching false doctrine. It boils down to who they are on the inside. They were once right, it seems, and they've gone bad. You have examples like that with Jim Jones and David Koresh. You know, they, everybody believed they started out really good, which they probably did. They opened up the Bible. They read the Bible. Maybe they even taught the Bible. But they, somewhere along the lines, you know, they went bad. They seemed to be right. And that's what catches people off guard. And so we have, must trust always in the sure word of the prophecy. People started just listening to their hearts. They started going with their emotions. They started listening to what impacted them, and they went away from the word and what the word was teaching. And they, those people were able to lead people astray. Aren't you glad that you and I have Christ in our lives, that we're born of the Spirit? We don't relate to these kinds of people at all. This is a group that you and I are on polar opposite ends of. We are so inoculated now from them because of Peter. There is no chance of them ever coming close to persuading us. Once we have accepted the truth of God's word concerning his son Jesus and asked Jesus to come in our life and make him our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit resides in us. We are set free from ever being persuaded to go in another way.